welcome to Ladies Kicking Ass, a podcast for bold entrepreneurial women who are seeking community and authentic connections. My name is Tanya Wilson. I'm a wife, mama, entrepreneur, and growth coach who is crazy passionate about supporting you, babe. Yep, the ambitious woman who is ready to call her own shots and create a life and business that she truly adores. The best part about this podcast is our conversations are real, raw, and unfiltered. We chat about it all. Our wins, losses, business, family, friendships, and how to get the hell out of our own way and believe in ourselves and our big ideas. I'm your new hype girl, and I can't wait to see what you create when you start believing that you can be who and whatever you want. So come on, let's get inspired and learn something new today. Welcome to the Ladies Kickin' Ass Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have a wonderful branding, marketing, and everything business and lady entrepreneur conversation with my friend, Stephanie Real. She is so incredibly badass, and I can't wait to introduce you to her. She is a brand strategist and marketing consultant, and she has created her own businesses, one as young as 22 years old. Can you believe that shit? Like even before she got out of high school. So this girl is a go-getter. She's now an investor, a mentor, a speaker. She loves puppies and spa days and giving back to female entrepreneurs, which I can't wait to hear more about that. So I hope you'll tell us about what you're doing with that. So Stephanie, welcome to the Ladies Kicking Ass podcast. I am so excited to be here, Tanya. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. So we've kind of introduced you with some of your accolades and achievements that you have done throughout your professional career, but who is Stephanie at her core? Man, at my core, I've, I feel really compelled to say that I've always been an active cheerleader and celebrator of others. And I think that enthusiasm in a lot of ways led me into marketing, um, whether I realized it or not. Um, and, and I think that when it comes to what I do now in business, I see so many of those things of who I truly am as a person that help me be really great at what I do every day for work, if that makes sense. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, when I was starting this journey at 22 years old, I had no idea what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so because you started this at 22 years old, give us the backstory of like how that started, yeah. why you decided to go into branding and marketing, why that's your passion. Give us the backstory. Well, I have a background in a few different areas, but they all build really beautifully for marketing. So I actually focused the majority of my college studies um, on journalism. I loved storytelling, getting to know people um, and, and really shining light on their stories. I think a little bit of that cheerleader spotlight uh, piece there. Um, but I also really was connected with creativity. Um, I did theater and musical theater um, growing up. And so I've always loved that creative outlet. And then I've also been really interested in psychology and what makes our brains work. And mm -hmm. so I share all of that because my senior year of college, I took my first official marketing class and it really clicked for me that that was exactly what I needed to be doing. It was a perfect mix of creativity, of consumer behavior and understanding what motivates people to make a purchase or how we can drive them to take a specific action. And then also storytelling, because that's a lot of what branding is. And so um, fearless 22-year-old Stephanie started a business to learn everything and all things marketing. Um, I didn't really have a, a goal or a vision in mind at the time. Um, going back now, when I work with, with and mentor young women, we talk about the goal and the vision for the future first, um, because that would have saved me a lot of headaches and a lot of burnout along the way if I had that. Oh, sure. um, but that started as a side hustle. I leveraged that to get work in marketing when I graduated from college. And, uh, and then I worked on my business nights and weekends. This was from 2009 to 2019. Um, the side hustle before it was really cool. And then it became kind of a, norm, a normal thing in culture. But my friends mm -hmm. early on thought I was crazy because I was working nights and weekends for my clients. I was working during the day for other businesses, but it really was an opportunity for me to soak in, 
learn a lot about a lot of different industries and a lot of different audiences to market to. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I left my full-time job in 2019 to focus fully on the business. And we turned it from a side hustle into a full service marketing agency for small business owners. Grateful we helped so many business owners across the country. I grew a team of eight, but like I said, it wasn't aligned. And so I know we'll probably get to it a little bit later, but I really burnt out. And um, and that's really been a beautiful opportunity for rediscovery and reconnecting with, even in a lot of ways, your very first question today of like who I am at my core and what I want to be doing and then building a business that's in alignment for that. So that's a little bit about me. I love that so much. And I know at a recent podcast recording we went to, um, they were talking so much about how it is okay to pivot and do something different. So many people, and I know for sure in the service industry, they're like, well, I started this business in this, I'm stuck with this forever, or this is what I chose to go to college for, so I have to do this forever. And I'm like, no, if you're doing the same thing your entire life, how much have you grown? So when you got to that point of where you were feeling burnt out with things, I'm talking to you about this selfishly because I find myself in that point (laughs) with a lot of things. Like, I'm like, I've been doing this for so long. Like I need a new challenge. And I think sometimes that can be part of the burnout is the monotony of it being the same shit every single day. Like what is the new challenge and where can you go? So Talk to us about what that burnout felt like for you. Was it something like that that you experienced too? Was it something different? And kind of like, how did you give yourself permission to say, I'm done with this part of my life. I'm going to close it and I'm going to start this one. Yeah. Oh, I love this because I feel like so many people talk about hustle and the hustle culture, but we don't talk about the effect of that, which in my experience was the burnout of pushing so hard to hit the goal. And don't get me wrong, I'm so grateful and proud of myself for all the goals I accomplished. I checked every box, I hit every business goal I set, um, but at what cost? And I think there were a lot, I can look back now. So 2020 hindsight vision always, but I look back now and there were so many times between when I left corporate America and as crazy as this says to, is to say out loud, I had no client signed because I had to give up all of my contract work to work for this Fortune 10 company um, because the, I was working like 16 hour days for that company. So I didn't have anything left in the tank to give to a client. So I had whittled down all of my contract work and then decided I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving and going to focus on client work. Um, and that was 2019 for me but I didn't have any contract signed when I first started. So I jumped in and was right in hustle mode. But I think there were so many signs I see now that either literally my body was giving me or my spirit was giving me that I just kept on ignoring and pushing Mm -hmm. forward, seeing, you know, oh my gosh, we just got this amazing new client or look, we're crushing this goal for this client and letting that fuel me and keep me pushing, even though I really was forcing everything. And this is, again, through years of, of unpacking and a lot of self-work, really seeing that I was forcing it all and it wasn't necessarily in alignment because I had worked, one of those jobs I had in between 2009 and 2019 was I worked for a marketing agency and I didn't enjoy it after a while because I did burn out. But I, the lie I told myself and the story I told myself was that if it was my own business, I couldn't get burnt out. And so then when it was Mm. 2021 and I found myself in burnout again, and really dissatisfied, I really started to hit not only this point of like a spiral and confusion, but also an identity crisis. I mean, an added layer, my business was also tied to my personal brand and and my name. My last name is Real. My personal brand is Real Deal. The company was Real Deal Marketing. So it was very personal for me on so many levels. And I had very much tied my identity to those achievements that the business was receiving, the awards I was getting and all the things. But in 2021, my body was screaming at me very clearly that I needed to slow down, things needed to change. And what did I do? I launched six things in a month and had 36 clients at a time that I was primarily responsible for. So I wasn't listening at all. And um, fast forward about eight months and we're into 2022 now, um, my body forced me to to slow down. I'm left-handed and... 
I injured my ulnar nerve in my left arm, which is your funny bone, essentially yeah. the, the nerve that makes that feeling. Um, but I couldn't use my arm or sit at a desk for more than 30 minutes. I couldn't write. My hand was cramping up. And you know that when you hit your elbow um, and that yes. feeling that you had, I had that pain nonstop for about nine weeks. And then my hand was also cramping. I couldn't use it. So I was really scared that I wasn't going to be able to write again, um, sign a contract, like with my handwriting. I, it was, it was really scary. Um, but I was also working 16 to 18 hour days for my business, not seeing friends, not seeing family. I, I don't even know if I was eating unless food was just there. Um, thank goodness for meal delivery services, because they would be, at least there was something in the house that I could eat, but I really wasn't taking care of myself. And mm -hmm. I was so past the point of enjoying the work that I was doing because we kept on adding more and more services on. Yes, by the end, we were full service and that we were doing amazing work, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. It wasn't ever my intention to build an agency. So then I woke up and I was like, man, this is really, really far out of alignment. And I think that all played into the burnout in between. Yeah. I, I'm very much a visionary and I'm an entrepreneur and I love coming up with the ideas and seeing the big picture and the strategy. but doing the day to day and managing people is not my happy place. I love mentoring, but not managing. And I think there's a big difference there. Um, oh, I'm so glad of, you said that. Oh, I was doing all those <laughs> because things. Because people though, look at it, it like yeah. it's the same thing. Like, it is not. oh, you must, you must manage a lot of people. I feel the same way. I am. We just had that realization yesterday. My family was asking my husband, so what do you do with the business? Cause he works with me in my business. And he's like, well, I manage pretty much everybody. And I'm like, yes, finally, because <laughs> I hate it. I love to yeah. mentor them, yeah. but managing them, I do, I think that it's important to uh, draw the line and distinguish between those two things. You don't have to be good at both of those things because you no. might like to manage people and not necessarily mentor them either. And it's okay to say yeah. that. I'm so glad you said that. Sorry to no, interrupt I, you, but I had to no, pull that out. I'm I'm glad that we're talking about the, de the designation because I think along the way, when I think back, I, I was always good at managing when I worked for somebody else's. Like I managed teams when I was in corporate, I managed teams for small businesses and like, I did a great job, but for me, being able to see the big picture of the business and like driving the vision and, and hitting the goals and doing the sales and then executing on some of the marketing campaigns, that's a lot of hats to wear by itself. And then to yeah. have to do daily stand-up meetings and manage the team, it I I'm grateful that I had the experience that I could learn that I didn't want to, that I didn't find joy in doing it. I think there are people that we need in our businesses and in our lives that can have those skills of management, but it just wasn't me. And I think doing for me, doing too many of the things that I did not enjoy, and that took me out of my zone of genius as um, you know, it, it I look at that now and like that very much was snowballing to cause that mm -hmm. burnout. Um, and then my, my body yelled and screamed and then said, Hey, you need to make a change now. So that was a big, a big turning point for me and how I even approached business, even the amount of hours of work a day I was working. And it ultimately led to me um, making the very difficult decision to close the marketing agency, which was kind of like a death. Um, it, I, I remember very vividly, I was talking about it. Um, I had made the decision ironically, um, this is ironic because I made the decision. I was closing the agency and I was starting to like figure out plans with mentors for conversations with clients or figuring out, you know, how to have their, their projects fulfilled by others, uh, other, you know, service providers, telling team, setting them up in the best way possible, because that wasn't a responsibility that I took lately. But mm -hmm. it was ironic because I made the decision to let it go. And two days later, I found out I was being awarded as one of the top 100 CEOs in Phoenix, <gasps> which previously would have been like, oh my gosh, this is a sign. This is great. I can't close this business. I, you know, I'm being awarded. I got the accolade feels so good. And I finally, I think, was done repeating that toxic cycle for myself where I said, that's great. I can receive that acceptance and praise, but I can also know that this isn't a line for me to continue. And that's when it all changed. Yeah, that's huge. It's thank you for sharing that yeah. story with us because I think 
I had, I closed one of my businesses this year too. And it truly does feel like it's a little bit of a death that you have to, like you mourn the loss of this business. It didn't work out the way, you know, like you have this big grandioso dream of this thing. And then sometimes they don't work out that way. But I remember this one spot in Jamie Kernlima's book, Believe It. Have you read that? Where she talks about knowing when to let go of a dream is just important as starting one. I just got chills. So like, that's very important for us to hear that today. Yeah. Yes. It, that honestly, like reading that in that book, like I'd been contemplating shutting it down anyways. Cause I was like, I'm working 16 hours a day and my kids are getting older. And I see this by the minute. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like yeah. something has to give. And of course the smaller of the two businesses needs to give, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was one of those, it was almost permission to hear somebody else say yeah. it's not failure. If you are choosing one thing over another. And that does not make you a failure because failure is an event. It's not a person. And I had ripped, I had held on to that so tight from a past issue I'd had with a business and a business partner that I was just like, if I fail at this one, then everyone's going to think I'm a failure. Then everything is going to go down. And that's not the case. That's not the case at all. Sometimes things just don't work out and putting more into them is going to cause more, more stress and whatever. And to really think about it, I, w- I want to ask you this question too. Did you feel like you hung on to it even longer because you feared what other people would think about you? Yeah, I for sure did. I think because I was getting acknowledgements and accolades and like, I'm, I'm so grateful for those and the hustle and hard work that I put in to get to that level. But mm-hmm. I did, I held on because, and I think if I'm being brutally honest, I think the other side of that was I didn't know who I was without the business and I was afraid yeah. to look and see um, because, and that's actually what was the hardest part of letting the business go and making mm-hmm. that decision. I'm grateful at the time I had two mentors. I was in two masterminds and, and could run ideas by two very experienced entrepreneurs who really, um, really kind of helped me keep it in check because uh, while I love mentoring, I also have found so much value in the last couple of years um, of seeking out mentors too, and and having maybe they're a little bit further along than us, or maybe they're much further along in getting that input. Um, and I love that mm-hmm. you shared that permission piece because one of my mentors actually said, "This is probably going to piss you off, but um, I, I you probably need permission, so you have permission mm-hmm. to make the decision." And it was so frustrating in the moment, but it was such a relief too, because Mm -hmm. I held a lot of that responsibility and that guilt on my shoulders. Um, And it's, it's interesting to have some space from it now, because I've always looked at failure. I mean, I've tried a lot of things. I tried sports when I was younger and that was never my thing. I found theater, thank goodness. And that was my thing. But um, I've always kind of been really inspired. I I love Gary Vaynerchuk and he talks a lot about like in life, like, how do you know if you like Rocky road ice cream, if you've never tried it? So you have to try a lot of things and find out what you like. And, Mm -hmm. um, I've kind of always tried a lot of things and not let it maybe hold me back. But, and so when I think about failure, as long as there's a lesson and I can learn from it and not make the same mistake again, like that's good for me. But it was very much the judgment of others, I think, that made it even more painful and made yeah. it harder. I mean, I I started planning the close of the business in like May of last year, ironically, a year ago, um, and then didn't actually close the business until October because I wanted to make sure that my team and my clients were were set up. I didn't want to leave anybody high and dry. We also had some work that you know we had to finish up. Um, and so it, it very much was a longer process, Mm -hmm. but, um, it felt right in the time. And I do think, I mean, even, even thinking back now, I, I talked to a friend I haven't talked to in a while, um, a couple of weeks ago, and she didn't even know that I had closed the business because I didn't make like a big hoopla about it. Right. I mean, I'm a marketer, Uh but I didn't like, didn't blast it out there that the business is closed. And so I'm starting to share it more and more, but Um, It wasn't something that I necessarily celebrated in a way, like in a public way 
So I think that yeah. that very much had to do with, with judgment from others. And, um, and I think even more, um, judgment from colleagues and things like that too, probably more so mm -hmm. than friends and family because friends and family knew I was working too much. And I mean, even my accountant <laughs> said to me, when he said to me, 70, you've said before, you don't like this. I didn't even realize I had told him that I didn't like the business. And then he said, well, you've said this before. So what do you like? And are you going to be doing more of that? And when he said that, I was like, oh man, you know, I yeah. didn't even realize I had been sharing this. So it just, it, it, it makes a lot of sense now, but yeah, it, that judgment piece can be a big pull for sure. Yes. Gosh, I'm finding so much of myself in your story here. It is incredible. Um, it's, it's definitely one of those big things that I want, I want to visit that point where you said, I found so much of my worth in this business. And I think the, the thing that I have struggled with too, is like, as a mom, even I say, my kids are the most important thing in the world to me. And then when given a choice of working 14 hours a day or working eight and giving some shit to somebody else and coming home to be with my kids, I tend to pick this one over here. Yeah. And that has been a massive realization to me this year. Like just because I can't see my, I'm such like a data driven person too. I can see my value at work and people are like, yeah. oh, good job. Like, thanks so much. And all this stuff. Like I, that need for significance for me was definitely, I found it in my work yeah. even more so than I was finding it in my family. And a lot of people are like, how could you say that? I'm like, we need to be real about this because I yeah. think a lot of women find themselves like, you feel guilty as shit when you're at work because you're not home with your kids or when you're at home with your kids, you feel guilty as shit that you're not working. Or even if you're not a mom, like I'm not spending time with my family or my friends or my spouse or whoever, you know, yeah. but it's, we have to realize that we do our business. We are not our business. And I love that you have, you know, some time to remove yourself from that, to evaluate it and give us what, what you've realized with that. Because yeah. I think so many of us fear that in-between spot, like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Or if somebody yeah. doesn't need me, what is my significance with stuff? Did you feel that way? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and I love, I love that you said that and you're so real and honest about that because even though I don't have human children yet, you do. You feel that guilt. You feel that, that pressure uh, you know, if you're focusing on work, oh my gosh, I'm missing out on this. Like I had trained everyone around me to know how busy I was. So like yeah. my mom, um, who my father passed, it'll be 10 years this year, but, um, my mom and I have spent a lot more time together, obviously. And, um, cause I'm an only child and, um, I had trained her like so well that I was so busy that, like she would know for a family function, I might only be there for a little bit of time or those other pieces. And I, it's so interesting for me to look back now and see that because I hit a turning point last year where instead of like being proud that everybody knew how busy I was, I started to really be upset that people thought I was busy all the time because I wanted yes. to be like, not only included, but I, I really was craving more family time and things like that. And so I had to... Mm -hmm really take a hard look at myself because I had truly trained everyone around me how busy I was and you know oh only this amount of time because the rest of the time I was working and I but it same like similar to what you were sharing with the data there was so much validation in seeing us crush the campaign results for a client's launch like or you know, our own marketing goals and, and things like that for the business mm -hmm. or, you know, to hit a record sales month. And there was so much like, I guess, dopamine. I've been doing a lot of brain. I'm really into like neuroscience and brain stuff now. So I guess there were like all these dopamine hits coming in that made mm -hmm. me want to chase that where yeah. it wasn't as immediate with, or as, as that immediate kind of reaction with the family time. And so I was yeah. definitely prioritizing it. So I love that you're sharing that too. Yeah, that that uh, busy is a badge of honor thing is a real bitch if you hold that <laughs> yeah. for a long time. Because yeah. I don't hold it anymore, but oh butt. man, oh I'm man. I'm offloading that thing too. I my husband and I volunteered to do Thanksgiving this year, and I know my mother in law was like, she just kept saying like she's too busy for that. 
I know you're too busy. I know you're running these businesses and you have these kids and you're just too busy. And I was like, <laughs> that was a real like hit to me. Cause I'm yeah. like, how dare you think I can't do this? Yeah. But of course she thinks that because that's all I talk about all the time. So I was exactly. like, you got to pull some things back here. So I think oh, it's yeah. like one of those where someone slaps you in the face and you're like, I, I am, I am teaching people not to ask me to do yeah. things. And it's things that I enjoy doing yeah. because they think that this is so much more important to me. So yeah. I'm so glad that we can share those. And just, if you're feeling like this, if you're listening to this podcast, you are not alone. I mean, just yeah. listening, just having this conversation with Stephanie, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not by myself in this. Yeah. And I love that so much on this platform of just being really real with the things that we struggle with. And the things that, and then we can identify that there's a correction for this. Are we going to be great about it? No, because when you have that busy bone, I call it, you are, that's your default mode too. Even when I don't have anything to do, I'm like, I think I'll reorganize my pantry. Like just something stupid because it's so much easier to live there if you've been there for a long time. So it makes me laugh because it makes me laugh because that's so relatable. It's I've been um, I had a couple of different health things happen last year where I really, I had to take time. And, um, I actually took, I guess it was 10 days off. Cause I took two weeks. So two weeks in a row off for the first time in my whole career. I've never, even when I was, even when I would go on vacation, I mean, I went to Italy in 2019 and I literally was working at 2 AM meeting with clients you know, on Zoom, doing things 2 a.m. Italy time because of whatever time it was on the East Coast for that client. And it's like, I had never taken time like that off before. And then I took those two weeks off and I was like, man, this is really nice. Like, I don't want to work crazy anymore. But it was truly what really opened my eyes was really getting space from it, taking taking a forced pause because it wasn't necessarily my choice. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was what I had to do. And Mm -hmm. then it's been, it really has unlocked this whole new way of being, but it's, I was laughing when you said that, Oh, I'll clean the house because it's like, I've been telling myself I'm not busy, but I've also read like five books in the last month and a half. And I never (laughs) like do that, but like now it's like a new goal to unlock, to finish another book. So (laughs) the busy busy bone is still there. She's still very active. Yeah. (laughs) That's great though, because you're rebuilding a new business that's a little more in alignment of where you want to be. So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think because of those big realizations and um, those different pieces, I actually laid the groundwork for this business in 2021. Um, It was one of the six things I launched in April of 2021, um, right before I got diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. So, um, but this business is focused primarily on a lot of DIY resources and courses based on my years of experience, because I think one of the things I found in my marketing business, the agency, uh, I would talk a lot with clients and they had been really taken advantage of by experts. Um, I'm using air quotes for anybody who's listening, but um, by experts who would take their money and either not provide the service, leave them high and dry, not provide what they said they were going to do. I mean, you name it, nightmare situations. And it would always make me so angry to see people being taken advantage of. So we would bring that service in house and do it for them instead and make it right. Um, but I think in that, it, a lot of those services that we were offering weren't in alignment. I didn't maybe have the right t- people on the team to do them. So then I was jumping in to do it. Um, but what has always been my passion is branding and brand strategy and telling the telling the why and sharing the human side of the business with the audience, putting together the marketing plan that's going to do that. Um, and then, you know, maybe a logo, colors, fonts, so we can really be intentional and use science and color psychology and font psychology to make sure that we're going to attract the ideal customer with the branding and then mm-hmm. to send them off on their way and connect them with a resource that might be able to help them with social media or their ongoing email marketing, um, because it's always that creation part. It's almost like, you know, I, I equate building a business is kind of similar to bringing a baby into the world because it is very much, you you nest, you get prepared, you have to do all the different strategy, you know, 
Um, and so I love being a part of that process. And so this business, mm -hmm. I am focused on that only for consulting. And then I have different DIY resources for branding for maybe somebody who is on a very shoestring budget and can't invest in a professional to do the uh, strategy pieces for them. Um, my branding course actually walks you through all the steps that the experts use to create things like your logo, your color, and the science behind it so that you're not just picking your favorite color. Please don't do that. Um, and then <laughs> the, um, and then Pinterest, which is an area in my agency that we had a lot of success with for clients. Um, I have a framework and a method that I've developed that, um, that really helps to grow and scale effort there. And so those are the two primary areas now, but really using all of this knowledge that I have in my brain to help people DIY their own marketing or have that education that they're not going to maybe choose the wrong marketing partner in the future too. So if it's, if it's not us and we're not doing it all in-house anymore, making sure that people are set up and that they can make strategic decisions and understand what their data is telling them too. So. Yeah, that is so important, especially for people in service business, because I know you yes. worked with a lot of contractors and home service companies. Yes. And that is, I have seen so many businesses. They're like jaded as hell when it comes to marketing companies, yeah. because somebody called them probably from somewhere else and said, I promise I will get you to position number one on Google oh. and you just pay me this much money. And I, oh, that's like my biggest thing when people say that. I'm like, if anyone makes that promise to you, they're full Run. of shit. So yeah. do not Run. sign with that. Yeah. So I'm actually working on a course. I'm actually working on a course. Um, it's not live yet, but it's all about what they're offering you as SEO. And it's all about what to do instead of hiring that person because um, they'll charge you thousands of dollars a month and promise you rankings. And that's just not how it works. Um, no. at all. And so no. my course will teach you how it works and what to do instead for maybe a couple hundred bucks a month. So, um, yeah, it's, that's why I grunted when you said that, because it, it drives me crazy. Um, because I see so many business owners that believe it and think, oh yeah, number one result. That's great. Oh yeah. I just pay you this money and I get there just like in life. There are no shortcuts with marketing. Um, no. anybody who's promising you that or an interview with Oprah, um, which probably dates me as a reference, but hey, she's still out there doing things. But anybody who promises Don't you that, there are no <laughs> guarantees like that. So I would run the other way if somebody's doing that in marketing. Yes. Oh, so huge. So huge. So I'm so glad that you went that direction because I was on your Instagram and I was trolling around looking at stuff. I love marketing and branding. That's my favorite part of running a business. And I love what you're doing with your new business venture because that's my favorite part too. I do some consulting work with some home service companies. Most of them have been like friends of my husband's that have went out on their own and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, they, they're really good at their trade, but they know nothing about marketing. So they're like the prime suspect to get taken advantage of by people oh, yeah. promising stupid stuff. So that's where I hear all that stuff from all the time. But I love to be able to refer them to people that I think like follow this or like, look at this, like even like the SEO that you talk about, like so many people sell so much shit for that. And it's, it's really kind of simple. If you think about it, yeah. it doesn't include all of this complex stuff that goes into it, but building that brand, you had a post on your Instagram that said that uh, brand is a mix of facts and feelings. So the facts are like your marketing data. And then the feelings is what the audience, the feeling you want your audience to have. So how do you smash those two together when you're consulting for a business in order to create a brand? Because I think a lot of times small businesses think my brand is my logo. Yes. And that it is, it is, it, your logo is a representation of your brand, but it is not your mm -hmm. brand. Um, whenever I'm working with, and I, I love working with small businesses is my favorite part of the puzzle, but depending on how big your business is, um, that you might have employees, you might not. So this advice is going to be a little bit different depending on those pieces, but I think your brand is so much more than just a logo. Yes, it is. There, there are a lot of subliminal pieces of a brand that our brains are reading before they ever hear a word you say 
um, jump onto your website. They can get a lot of information just from the colors you'd use, the words you choose, and the font that you're using in your branding materials, which is why we use data and really make sure that we understand your ideal customer to make sure that the brand is built to attract them. Um, mm-hmm. But for, it, it's a little bit of a mix of science. And again, like I was saying in the beginning, all the pieces that attracted me to marketing to begin with, psychology is such a huge part of marketing and truly having an intention behind the brand. I, I often talk to small business owners and they started a business and they use their favorite color, but then they're not their ideal customer. They're not anywhere in the target market. So then you shouldn't be using your favorite color. Um, but because different colors subliminally tell our brain different things like green is a lot of times used for vitality or health. Um, maybe like an eco-friendly or earth minded brand. It can also be wealth, financial, you know, literacy. So you'll see brands like Whole Foods using it. Um, even tech, a lot of tech companies use green, whereas Mm -hmm. a red, um, actually is shown scientifically to make people hungry, which is random. Um, But you don't see a lot of food businesses use it because also a lot of times the first thing, if you're based in the United States, you see red and you think of a stop sign or you think of getting marks off on a paper in school, right? The red pen, red notes, edits. So not a good thing. It oftentimes signifies danger or caution or those different pieces. So it goes so much deeper than just a favorite color. Um, But to get back to your question, because now I'm on a tangent about branding. The, I love it. The, the beauty of the data, which is, yes, your marketing data. Maybe that's your Google Analytics. Maybe it's your Google My Business listing and seeing the analytics there or your social media channels and seeing those analytics. We get some insights into who's actually engaging with your content and if it is truly your ideal customer. So any branding project that I take on, we look at your data first before we jump into any other work to see if you're an existing business, okay, where are you at now? What's missing? And then Mm -hmm. fill in the gaps from there, Um, going into and doing a deep dive on email marketing and all these other pieces. Maybe it's um, your videos and seeing where your video view view counts are and things like that and where the drop-off is. Um, And then also, if you have a website, seeing how people are viewing the website, where they're falling off the website, because that can be a really key indicator of your audience and what's interesting to them. So that's always the foundation of any brand work that I do because I have found through 14 years of doing this that if we don't have that as our backbone and to know actually how our, the audience is interacting with your brand, it, we can miss something because that it's that action. It's, it, I know this is kind of cheesy, but you know, you're, we believe actions over words that's how we see the actions of our audience over them just like liking something and saying, oh, I love this. And then they never actually called a book. So um, the data helps us validate that. And then the feelings, again, it's all about your ideal customer. Um, but the brand, a lot of times is that squishy intangible stuff too. Maybe it's the kinds of words you're using, those interactions. If you have a team your brand is often represented in how your employees are interacting with your customers. Um, And that's often a missing piece. Like you might invest in branding, get a great logo, get your fonts, get your colors. And then it sits there and your team never sees it, or they're not up to speed with what the values of the company are. And they're not displaying those. Well, that's the quickest way to build a break in trust for your audience. And then tarnish the customer experience, which truly is what branding is all about. So yes, a logo is a part of your brand, but how your employees are interacting with your customers or your clients is also a part of your branding. The messaging that you're using in emails, even how frequently you're emailing, um, if you're doing blog content or educating in any way, if you're going to events, that is all branding. I like to think of branding a lot of times Um, And this is not me. This is a quote from Zig Ziglar um, back in the day, way before my day, but often thinking of, and I'm I'm parsing the actual quote, but the brand being like your reputation. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times that people think, oh, well, I have this great logo, but if that's not the experience your customer's having, or if 
if they're coming to your social media and seeing one color scheme and then going to your website and seeing another one, they're going to get confused. And another thing I also say is confused customers don't convert. They're going to jump off the page and go somewhere else where something is really clear. So that branding piece is so much more. It's woven into all the different marketing efforts that you're doing. And I think that's the designation that people sometimes can miss where mm -hmm. they'll focus so much on the logo and invest so much in the logo. And yes, your logo is important, but how is the business showing up too? Because that's really, truly where that branding and how we humanize the brand and the business. And that's truly those pieces that keep those connections going for years to come. Yes, yes, yes. To me, it's like how, how you talk to them and how you treat them. That is your brand. Yeah. And I see that like with home service companies, like people will have like this awesome brand, like they're talking to them awesomely and they have no online reviews. Yeah. Like, why are you not converting your great service into yeah. customers that are literally yeah. advertising for you for free? Oh yeah. And they're like, oh, because they don't want to ask. I'm like, that's an integral oh, yeah. part of finishing out your brand because other people want to know. Yeah. People are getting smart to marketing strategies now. And they're like, yeah. it's fluff. It's fluff. Yeah. It's fluff. It's like the, my husband often talks to my kids and he's like, when it says no sugar on stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's his like, marketing messaging. To, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. They try to justify everything. Like, yeah. well, because like, we don't like, unless it's a birthday party or something, we don't buy soda and have soda at our house. And so they're I like, like it. I'm the same. Can I get a... <laughs> can I get a prime? Because it has no sugar in it. Can I have oh, this? Because yeah. it has yeah. no sugar. So it's really even teaching, you know, they pick up on the stuff so young of things. Yeah. They think it's the sugar that, you know, which it is, but there's alternatives that are equally damaging to your body, if not even more so than the sugar that's in oh, this yeah. not sugar thing. But their I brain love is that analogy. Oh my gosh. That is such a good analogy for marketing. Everyone listening, like seriously, that. That is such a easy to follow. I love it. That's I'm, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that analogy okay. uh, because I think it makes a lot of sense. And it also just goes to show, like, I think it brings it back to the action. Like you're saying, I, yeah. uh, and I'm so glad you, that we're calling out service business owners or teams um, that are managing the marketing because every single, I think every single service-based business I've ever worked with, we do a review campaign because they have a great experience, but they're not asking. And sometimes it's as simple as just asking for the review and telling the person, telling your audience where to go to leave that review. Do you want them to leave it on Yelp? Do you want them to leave it on Google? Do you want them to leave it on Facebook? Wherever it might be. Um, but we have to be really clear in our call to action for the audience. And mm -hmm. that is such a missed opportunity that every service business could take 10 minutes, send an email to customers and probably get reviews, which really helps legitimize your business because it's people talking about your business, not you talking about your business. Yes. And there's so many companies too, you know this, that you can automate that even after it triggers once a job has been done, you can set oh, it yeah. up with your CRM system to do that. But something that we've decided this year, we were like, we're going to hit over 300 on Google. Like a year and a half ago, we were only at a hundred. Now we're at like 207. And they're like- so, because we, we were kind of like diverting them, like pick which platform you want to yeah. go on. I'm like, no, I need them all on Google. Cause those are the yeah. ones that really matter. So oh, yeah. let's, let's just keep going on Google. We're going to hit 300 and everybody's kind of like, mm, I don't know. And then I started following someone on Instagram and it like light bulb off for me. So just kind of a, a like, I'm going to throw it out there for other people to take, but I had I was at this event and I tagged the person in this and it came back like auto responder came back and was like, thank you so much for tagging me in this. I'd love to include you on my daily message stuff, blah, 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 like the text message stuff. And I was yeah. like, wait, I didn't even know they had one of those. So sweet. Go ahead. Hey, what's your first name? So I can address you properly. You type in your first name. Every time that person sends a message through Instagram now, it says it with my name. And I know that sounds so simple to do those things but when you make things personalized to people there's a connection you've now said oh, their yeah. name and it's a connection and even though i know as a, as a person in business that it, it's a machine that's doing this somewhere in your brain there's still like oh, yeah. that whatever going off that's like yeah they're they're talking to me 
And same thing with getting reviews. We have started, I just recorded a quick little 30 second video that we send as in a separate email instead of using the auto generators that says, thank you so much for allowing my business and my team. I'm the owner of the business. Your review on our service helps us so much. And it's a great kudos to the technician that was out there for you. Please go here and you can leave us, you know, and just from putting that little thing together, we got almost 10 of them in a week. I'm not surprised personalized things. Yeah. Make it look like it's not a robot because people start getting smart to things just yeah. like with the marketing tactics. They're like, Oh, that's marketing. Oh, yeah. that's kind of like Google at first. It's like, well, we know those are all ads. So we just skim right past those. What's showing yeah. up first like organically for us, but not everybody knows those things, but getting ahead of the curve of things. No yeah. one else that is in my septic industry is doing stuff like that. I will guarantee yeah. you. So well, just and- standing out like, they're like, oh, yeah. this is a different experience than I've ever had before. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in seeing your face or my face, it, the face of the business. So I think when you can send that personal message, that's another reason I think it's probably converting really well. And you're getting a lot of reviews is um, people see the face. They, again, feel connected. And when mm-hmm. we have that connection, I mean, the whole game of marketing is to build so that people know, like, and trust you and they want to do business with you. What better way than to send that personalized thank you and make even more of a connection so that they understand why that review is so important to you. It really helps us as a small business. It helps us stand out, you know, among the crowd. If you loved your service, we'd love to hear about it. And I think the other part of that is if you didn't love your service, we want to hear about that too, so that we can make sure that that doesn't happen again. And I think Mm -hmm. because the old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, I think, I think that's the same. But yep. a lot of reviews, people a lot of times won't leave a review unless it was a really bad experience. Yep. And it was a good experience. They don't, you know, they just go on with their day. Oh, that was a great experience. But if we can show why it's so valuable to even leave a quick and make it as simple as possible for them. I love that you're sending them one place and saying here to do this. You're going to get better results for that because you're creating that human connection and then giving them one action it takes. So Yes. Don't give them choices. People don't no. like choices. They no, have a hard really time. Don't. Then they're like, eh, I can't decide. Just think I'll about do it trying later. to decide where you're going for dinner. It's never an easy decision. You need to have like a genre of food and then like two options and pick between them. Yeah. Or That's even better, just say, Hey, now. we're going here. Right. So yes. it, it's the different two bit. spots. That's yeah. all the decision I want to make. <laughs> yeah. So this branding is so incredibly important and I don't want to miss this point because I think it's so important that people forget about, but once a brand has been established, what should a company or a person do to protect that? Is it a trademark? Is it a copyright? Do you have to have different kinds of trademarks for different areas? Like what do they need to do? Like overview. So I think part of brand protection is just even continuing to use the brand. So not letting Mm -hmm. it go stale, but I think the, the not, natural progression. And one thing that I've done for my businesses and we work with clients a lot on is taking that legal step to get a trademark um, or a service mark. If, if you're, you know, doing that for like a logo for a small business, I haven't personally seen a case where a service mark is, is like, or a trademark on a logo specifically is as beneficial as like a Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola of course is going to do that. They're global and need that protection, but Um, Things like your business name, depending on, and I think if you've already been in business, it might not be as easy to get a trademark. Um, A lot of times, and oftentimes we work with businesses on say a rebrand where we're renaming the business and we do a comprehensive search of the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office before we name the business. Um, And then Of course, that's not legal advice because I'm not a lawyer, but we have different legal teams that we recommend to then take the trademark steps for the the remainder of the process. But at least then you're starting out and you're not choosing a brand name that you fall in love with and your team loves. And then you find out somebody else is using it and they already have an active mark or a pending mark application on it. So um, if you're an existing business, though, maybe maybe it's not your business name, depending on how it's named, but maybe it's. Um, a specific process or a specific unique approach that you have to your service 
industry or your product that you could trademark that to have some ownership there. Um, so, you know, maybe it's your three tier septic process. I don't know. I'm making things up on the fly, but there are ways to, to build in some additional protection that aren't just trying to get your logo because your logo very well might change over time. And then you invested that money and then it really is a wash or it's a waste. Um, but I think that there are definitely a lot of areas where a trademark of maybe a specific proprietary process that you use or those different pieces can be really valuable. And it adds to further protection of the brand down the road too. Awesome. Is So I know how some people can be in this industry and they say, I don't want to pay for an attorney. I can do it myself. What's your, what's your take on that? I personally don't do it myself for electrical work, plumbing work, or anything legal related. Um, <laughs> there's probably a couple of other categories in there that I don't DIY myself either. Um, but I think I've even, I even have two trademarks um, for different brand elements and one of my courses and even my, my brand name. Um, but I did not DIY it. I think that it's a little, it's a little bit dangerous and mm -hmm. perhaps a little bit more, maybe not dangerous isn't the right word, risky. I think whenever we have legal stuff involved, I, I, I just always like to know that it's done correctly that it's going to hold up and be, mm -hmm. you know, a lasting piece. So I personally wouldn't, and like the clients that I work with, we recommend they reach out to their attorney or we have attorneys that I've worked with with great success that we, that we would recommend for those different pieces. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just, I think the amount of hours that you would spend on doing the research, finding the name, filling out the application, because I mean, we all know how hard it is to even fill out an LLC or a change of address form with the state. Yeah. With any government entity, there's so many particulars of how to fill out those forms that uh, why not hire a seasoned expert? Just like, just like we wouldn't clean our own septic system, why would we file our own trademark? Yes, yes, yes. Good answer. That's what I was hoping for because <laughs> I, I will always stare at people. They're like, well, I think I could figure it out myself. I'm like, don't YouTube this. This is not a YouTubeable matter here. Yeah. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's with everything in your business. Just because yes. you can do it doesn't mean you should be doing that's it. Give true. it to somebody else. Yeah. And I think sure. to build on that, the other thing, especially as small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And mm -hmm. to bring it back to our conversation earlier on, like, what am I giving up? Or, you know, maybe it's less time with my family to figure this out and the frustration of trying to fill out the form and not doing it correctly or whatever it might be. Is that really worth my time? Or could I be working on something in the business that's actually going to be revenue generating where I could hire an expert to offload this part of it for me? So that's how I always think about it. Um, and I think there's just certain areas that that makes a lot of sense to do that. Yes, so much. So we want to be sure and promote some of the things you have going on. You have marketing courses and branding courses and social media courses and all of the good stuff. I know that you have a big thing with Pinterest and you've talked about that. So I would love for you to share what you would like to about your courses and maybe touch on just a second why Pinterest is so important. Because I think especially in this industry, a lot of people think, and I'm not just talking home service, but just service in general. Yeah. They think, well, people come to me or I go to their house. So what can I share on Pinterest that's going to help me? Oh my goodness. This is one of my favorite topics because I think it's a sleeping giant, especially for service-based businesses. Um, I think so often when we think of Pinterest, we think of recipes, maybe workouts and like wedding planning as the mm -hmm. reasons to go on Pinterest. But um really that couldn't be further from the truth, especially since 2020, that pivotal year when we were all stuck in our homes. Um, the beauty of Pinterest is it's actually, I don't consider it a social media channel. I consider it social search. It's a lot more like Google than it is like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. Um, and the cool thing about that is it is all keyword driven and it's a longer lead platform. So the big thing that I love for business, all small businesses is 
I always point this out. Some of our best performing pins for my service-based business, we pinned three to four, actually probably now five years ago, and they're still driving traffic to my website, driving leads, driving real traffic. The beauty with Pinterest is you're reaching people at the exact moment they're looking, similar to Google. So why I love that for a service-based business, regardless if you're in home service, if you're a professional service or anything of the like, is people might be going to look for marketing tips and tricks for their small business, right? That would mm -hmm. be something for me and my business or septic tank, like maintenance tips and tricks. Yeah. Or like there's a lot on there, that, right? Very bad info. <laughs> well, a great reason to, to jump on and give good info, but people are yes. always actively searching. They save it. They're planning for the future. It's a positive platform. So if you mm -hmm. have a blog or if you have any link Maybe it's a link with a freebie, a free guide or something like that. Um, anything that has, it's more evergreen. So it lasts forever. It's not going to, you're not going to want to post about a sale or an event or something that has an expiration date. But if you have mm -hmm. something that has an open-ended offer and we even create specific open-ended offers just for Pinterest and that were in that content there um, or your blog, it's a beautiful opportunity to get in front of people when they're looking and then have them actually come to your website to check it out. A lot of times that's with a blog content um, and driving real traffic. And it's just, I consider it a sleeping giant because a lot of people aren't talking about it. But what I love about it as a small business owner that wears a lot of hats and has, because I'm still scrappy at heart, even though I've been doing this a while and we've had a lot of success. Um, <laughs> I like to make the most of my efforts. And I scream it from the rooftops for Pinterest because there's an application for nearly every business, whether you are in home services. I'm, we had a, a pool company client a couple of years ago and they had a lot of success there, a fitness app. I mean, a marketing agency, you name it. There's mm -hmm. a lot of different businesses because people are on their dreaming and planning for the future. And they're planning for a lot more than just their wedding or their dog's birthday party. Um, they're planning for their home and different renovations or um, yeah. getting tips and tricks on what to do too, because they're using it like Google. So think about anything you Google and people are doing that on Pinterest too. The other thing, Pinterest results come up in Google search results now. So I have a lot of Google alerts set up for my business and brand and clients. And we've done this over the years. Pinterest pins have been coming up as um, new pings for Google search results for the last like two and a half years, which a lot of people are not talking about, but why that's beneficial is it actually can help your SEO too. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's going to build a backlink coming back in. If you're attaching a link to your blog, to your now website, you're speaking all of the right language, you know, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, is, it is, I think, especially for your evergreen content. Um, it makes a lot of sense. The one caveat there is you are going to get a national or a global audience because Pinterest has 400, I think 400 and near 440 million active users. Um, and it can, continues to rise where other social platforms are seeing a plateau or a fall off. Um, but it, that's just something that you keep in mind when you're looking at your Google analytics or website data over time is where that traffic might be coming from and those source pieces and knowing if nothing else, you're providing value and providing brand credibility. Who knows? You could be based in Arizona and somebody in New Jersey sees your content and they have a cousin that lives in Arizona and needs your and needs your product or service help. So you yep. just never know where it's going to lead. It's a long lead platform. It's, a, it's playing the long game, which is my favorite to play, um, but it does pay off um, for leads and for your freebies and, and blog traffic too, which helps your SEO and other rankings over time as well. So win-win. Yeah. And I it's think. free. And, and it's free. It's free. So come on, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love Pinterest and a lot of us have, you know, what is so interesting with things too. Like I'm sure so many people are like this, that they have Pinterest and they have 90 different well-organized boards and like how many times do you go back and look through some of these things because it is that in the moment search I love what you were saying like to me in my head I just kept thinking it's Google with pictures it is this is so awesome 
because, and that's something to consider when I was thinking that I was like, we have to consider what picture you're posting in that Pinterest post to make sure that people want to click on that because I know like when we get on there for like my daughter and I look at it a lot for like hairstyles and things like that. You're like, if it's a great picture, you're like, Oh, I love this. If it looks like you took it in a dark room, you're not going to get as many people to look at stuff. So that prettiness of things is very important too. So this is so cool. So amazing. So many wonderful things. I just want to thank you so much for your time. I have kept you way longer than I said I was going to. I knew this conversation was going to go like this today. The first time that I met Stephanie, we just started talking like I had known her forever. So I know we're new best friends. I love it. It's great. Love it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It was so awesome. Sometimes you just meet those people that you just have good chemistry with. And you are definitely one of those people for me. So thank you. I love just finding new people that are walking the same journey that, you know, we're walking on and can sometimes if you're a female entrepreneur, be very isolating at times. So there is brand things in creating community. And I know for me, for a long time, I was like, I don't have time for that. I got kids. I got a family. I got these businesses. I got this stuff. You are doing yourself such a horrible disservice to not engage with women that are walking the same journey with you. Have someone, have a group of these people where you walk in and you're like intimidated as hell because that's where you're going to learn the most from. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then be sure to make sure that you extend that olive branch to those people that are just coming up too and making them feel like they're somebody that can accomplish really great things too. So I see that you're doing that beautifully. I know that you, um, you know, are an investor and love to give back to female entrepreneurs. Do you want to tell us anything about that in closing? Yeah, I, um, I really love working with female entrepreneurs. I think that was actually the, my favorite part of the agency. I hired all females, um, across the country and a lot of them were contractors, but there was a beautiful, area of mentorship too, where I was helping them with their businesses, because that's what it's all about to me. I think Mm -hmm. that saying a rising tide lifts all ships Um, earlier on in my career. And before I found some of the communities that I'm a part of now, that wasn't really the feeling that I had that feeling of support, whether it was in the marketing industry or with other women in business. Um, Of course, I have a couple of mentors that really have helped me along the way, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, but to be able to give back in that way and to help even to just say, you know, and say, Hey, like, let's set up a time. Let's talk through what's going on for you. And so now I offer it in a little bit more of a formal way where I do have mentorship and one-on-one, um, strategy sessions where, you know, you come, you bring a business problem or something and, and we go through it and I use my 14 years of experience, but then also can connect to a network of resources that might be able to help as well, whether that's, Um, you know, someone who can be a a resource for a specific issue or even a digital mentor, somebody on social media to follow, to get some inspiration. Um, But in in really running the gamut, but giving strategic business advice too, where it makes sense. Um, Just because I've been doing this a long time and why not share the wealth? I think that there is so much beauty in being able to do that. And that's actually some of the most rewarding work that I've done over the years is being able to help. Um, I have a client, she has an e-commerce business and we worked together for about three months and some of the things that we talked about doing in our first call, she did. And by the end of that three months, it, it was incredible. The growth that she was able to see, she hit her revenue goal, you know, her sales goal and, and those different pieces. And it's just cool to be a small part of that and to kind of help be a sounding board or to look at the data and see something differently and say, Hey, have you thought about this? And so that's really cool to do. And I do that a lot. Um, kind of unofficially, but I'm, I'm working to make that more official. And then I have been um, really had the pleasure and, and luxury of being able to be an investor in, in some female businesses and um, get to help in a different way. Yes, giving ideas, but also being a part of it in a different way and, and looking at problems um, with their teams too. And that's been really, really awesome and, re- and rewarding. It's definitely a different way of approaching things, but it's awesome to be at this point in my career where I can contribute in that way too. So um, that's something that I, it's been really cool to get to do that, but I definitely marketing and those pieces are still my love and, um, and still something that I so enjoy. So it's cool to get to do, 
do a little bit of a lot of things. I always say I'm fun at a cocktail party because I know a lot, a little bit, but a lot of different topics. So <laughs> yeah. That's why you can have conversations with random strangers. About I know that's why I can become a best friend with somebody immediately because I'm like, oh my gosh, you do this. I know this about this thing. It's an immediate yes. connection point. Yes. And thank you for being so generous with your information and the things, yeah. the knowledge that you have with stuff, because that is truly how we continue to keep inspiring women to chase their Absolutely. big dreams. So I appreciate that. So one last question in closing that I always ask everyone on the podcast, because I'm fascinated with what it means to different people. So when I tell people I have a community and a podcast called Ladies Kicking Ass, they're like, tell me more, you know, because I think there's just something within us as females that we all want to be kicking ass at some point. Um, but it's very interesting to see what that means to different females. So I'm going to ask you that question, Stephanie, what does the phrase ladies kicking ass mean to you? For where I'm at on my journey right now, I think kicking ass has a lot to do with being in alignment and being really authentic. Um, authenticity is something that I know we didn't talk about today, but I usually talk about a lot when I'm talking about branding too. But I think it's something that when we aren't authentic, we don't feel as good um, in how we show up. And so I think when I think of ladies kicking ass, you are standing in your power, you are finding alignment or in alignment with your ideal purpose, working towards being your higher self. I'm very woo. So um, definitely. Um, probably surrounded by a couple of crystals too, and just getting shit done, you know, but, um, but I think that there is, there's a beauty in getting to shine our lights for authentically who we are and not trying to be somebody else. So I think that that is what kicking ass means to me. Oh, I love it so much. And the world needs you to show up as your authentic self. So thank you for doing that with us here today. I appreciate you so very much. And we will be sure to make sure that all the links for everything Stephanie talked about is in the show notes for you below here um, so that you can connect with her, check out her courses, all the good stuff. Or if you want to do a strategy call with her, I'm sure she would love to do that. So uh, Stephanie is so amazing. So I'm so excited to be able to support you in this new venture that you have going on. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful getting to talk to you even more. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening. Today's message was pure inspirational fire. I loved it so much. Hey, if you got a lot out of today's show and you think a friend of yours may love it too, please do me a quick favor. Screenshot the episode, post it, tag us at Ladies Kicking Ass, or share the link to the episode. I'm here to help and support as many badasses as possible, and your generosity in sharing the show to your audience means the world to me. Don't forget to hit subscribe to be notified of all newly released episodes, and leaving the show a five-star review is the ultimate expression of love. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and we can chat further. There's also a link to connect in the show notes. Thank you for being part of our tribe. Now go kick some ass.